What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the guest show on the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastooge. I'm your host, and today's guest is a special one. It is Joe DeSena, the owner and founder of Spartan Race. If you're not familiar with Spartan Race, you might live under a rock, and that's okay. Time to crawl out. Spartan Race is the largest obstacle course racing company in the world. They operate out of 45 countries and put thousands of people into each race. What you might be thinking right now is, hmm, how are they doing with coronavirus? The answer is in the show. The reason I wanted to interview Joe, especially now, is because He's somebody who I've known for a long time to be resilient. He's resilient. He's the kind of guy who sees a challenge and decides, I want to do that. And what I wanted to learn from him on today's show was, what has he been able to take from the life he lived prior to Spartan Race and adapt it to the life he's forced to live right now during the coronavirus pandemic owning Spartan Race. If you can't put two and two together, he's had to shut down his entire event company since March. That's not good. So what I wanted you guys to be able to hear was, what are people who are operating big businesses? What is it like for them? Because I know a lot of you probably believe, well, you know, that business does... hundreds of millions of dollars a year, he's probably fine. Not necessarily. But one of the things he kept on talking about was, we're going to get through this. And I think that the way he speaks about it and the reasons why he's so confident are going to be extremely helpful for you guys in moving forward in your life after today. So before we get to the show, real quick, if you love the show, remember to head to wherever you're listening to it and leave us a nice review, help people find it. The other thing I want to let you know is coronavirus times audio wasn't as good as a typical podcast on this one. We still thought it would be valuable to put it out. So my apologies in advance for some technical issues on the back end and not having our audio tech team on site to solve them for my tech incompetent ass. But let this be a lesson for you guys. Everything does not have to be perfect to be out there. It's okay to put things out there right now, especially that are not perfect. So without further ado, let's bring Joe DeSena on. All right. Joe DeSena, owner and founder of Spartan Race. Welcome to the Active Life Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. You're, you're one of those entrepreneurs who I enjoy watching the journey of because it's, it's just, it's, it's so clear. It goes from like the wall street, you know, the, the, the classic quote, American dream, go work in a place and make as much money as possible. And then you're like, well, there's probably more to life than this. And then it becomes, how do we essentially save the world through the value that I've learned through the rest of my life? And I think it's really cool. No, no doubt about it. I mean, and, and, and this whole virus thing, we've been, uh, you know, if you, if you look at all the news coming out, they're now saying that, um, 
I, I can't even believe I'm about to say this. This is so obvious to you and I, but that there's a correlation between people that exercise and the recovery rates of the virus. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. <laughs> like, like, oh, and here's the best one. There was this news article in Dow Jones yesterday about a young, healthy, 30-year-old football coach um, that got it and died. And so that scares everybody. That's, that's good news if, if you're just focused on, um, you know, if you're in the news business, not good, mm-hmm. somebody died. And, um, and my friend was a football coach, so he quickly looks up on Facebook, this gentleman. He was 300 pounds. He was completely overweight. This was not a young, healthy individual. So, um, so when you talk about leaving wall street, my, my, my mother was pushing this in the seventies. And so it just became my, like, I just, it drives me nuts and I know it's hard. I know it's, I'm drinking my kombucha right now. I could, I probably should just be drinking water, but this is better than soda. Um, uh, I ate some gluten-free vegan pancakes before I probably should have had a salad instead of that. So it's hard for all of us. Um, but it's my mission to, to help people. Yeah, I mean, 100 million people off the couch, right? That's the goal. That's the goal. I want them lifting the couch. I've changed it. <laughs> you can't get off the couch. You've got to carry the couch now. Because uh, of the virus, you've got to carry the couch around the neighborhood. I like that. That's going to be hard to do. It's hard, but you know what? So is the virus. That's true. That's true. So there's a few things that I definitely want to make sure that we talk about. And I would love for people, before we go anywhere, to kind of give them the, the three to five minute Wall Street to Spartan race story so they know who they're listening to in case they're not already familiar with you. Yeah. So basically, uh, go way back. Go back to uh, 1970s. I'm in, I'm in New York. I grew up in Queens in a, in a neighborhood called Howard Beach. It's a, um, for whatever reason, organized crime capital of the world. Four of the five family bosses live there. And as a young person, you don't really know what that is, but you see the Cadillacs, you know, the nice cars, you see the suits, you see the respect, the rolls, $100 bills. Folks that are not in that business are uh, family businesses. They own pizza places, um, masonry yards, cement companies. Um, I think bagel stores started to become hip at one point. A lot of pizza places. And, but, and they're, you know, multi-generational. They wake up early, they hustle, they get after it. The trucks are running early in the morning. And so I'm around that. And definitely leaning in the wrong direction, even though I don't know what it is yet because I'm, I'm, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. Um, and my mom finds yoga. She finds yoga, meditation. She walks into a health food store. She meets a yogi, uh, changes the household to become a vegan household overnight. And my parents obviously get divorced because the rift between raviolis and branch sandwiches just wasn't going to make it long term. She moves, uh, well, she introduces my sister and I to a 3,100 mile foot race that takes place still in, in Queens, New York today, around a one mile loop. And, um, and I don't know, I guess she starts to change lives. Like she, there's no yoga classes going on at that point. There's no studios, there's no Whole Foods. So she's inviting people over the house. So I've got monks and civilians and you name it in the living room doing yoga with my mom and gurus pictures on the wall and beads and incense and it's weird um but you know watching that over a decade plus you start you see lives change you see people get healthy and um i guess it through through osmosis or something it just became part of my mission she died young um i i leave uh that 
I thank God I don't go down the wrong road in the neighborhood where my dad lived. And I end up on Wall Street. And my some of the tools I had picked up with seeing the truck start early in the morning, the bagels being buttered and the third generation families working at 5 a.m. and even the hustlers that were stealing for a living um, gave me some skills on Wall Street. And so I did knock on wood. I did okay. I had some up and ups and downs, but, but I came out better than when I entered. And, um, and I left and I met my wife and I said, I'm out of here. It was after 9-11. Uh, I made a bunch of money and it doesn't make me feel like I thought it would make me feel. I certainly eclipsed the folks from the neighborhood, the guys from the neighborhood um, that, I, that I wanted to see if I was tough enough to be. Um, I was starting to get a little overweight. I wasn't feeling that healthy. And um, I found yoga again and I found meditate. All the things I was pushing back on with my mom moved to a farm here in Vermont. I'm on the farm now. And, um, and I, guess I, I guess I took my mother's principles and the things she was teaching in the living room, the yoga, and I wrapped it in a Spartan cloak and put a Spartan helmet on it. And so it's really a yogi disguised as a Spartan. <laughs> which is, which is a, um, quite the yin and the yang in the, same, in the same brain of yours. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, when you look at the Spartan race, for those people who aren't familiar with the Spartan race, who live under a rock, it's essentially the preeminent adventure obstacle course race in the world. Yeah. You guys, how many millions of people do you guys put through it? A million people a year? Well, we bought Tough Mudder right before the virus, which was just genius. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and, and, um, and so that's 2 million registrations per year. That's a lot of registrations. Yeah. And so I have a question for you. I'm not, I, I've never actually heard you answer on any other podcasts. And that is, you, you, I've heard you multiple times describe your mother as the person who kind of introduced you to fitness through her yoga and just her practices. And you mentioned earlier that, that she died younger than anybody would have liked her to. What makes you want to continue pursuing fitness when the person who was the introduction to fitness died earlier than her time? You're the only person out of 5,000 podcasts I've done, 5 million interviews that has asked that question. It's a good question. Um, I guess, you know, my mom, her sister, her mother, her cousin, her aunt, I mean, you go down the list, all had cancer. And so the question really for me is, would she have died younger if, if she didn't practice um, those health and wellness um, lifestyle ways, right? Like, like, would she have lasted as long? It turns out, and maybe, maybe I'm a crackpot here, but it turns out that neighborhood where we grew up, you know, was within a 15 mile radius of a garbage dump. And that garbage dump, I forget the name of it now, for, for whatever uh, reason, it's escaping me. Um, but that garbage dump um, had a huge incidence of cancer um, around it in that 15 mile, huge, like crazy numbers. I'm, I'm sure much worse than the virus. And, and, um, and so I guess I just justify, like, I just have a tough time believing, I, I would imagine you, you feel the same way, that exercise isn't better. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, when I hear a statement that says, um, you know, you don't need exercise, you've only got so much energy, um, I believe th that's what he believes in. I just can't reconcile that one. I, I just feel like, here's, here's the way I look at it. I cleaned swimming pools when I was young, before I went to Wall Street. I cleaned swimming pools for 700 customers, so I spent a lot of time on pumps, 
on filters and 20,000 gallon bodies of water. And maybe this is a silly analogy, but I just can't get it out of my head because I spent so much friggin' time around swimming pools. The human body is a swimming pool. It's eight to 10 gallons of water. It's got a pump. It's got some filters. It like it operates the same way. And so if I took French fries and cheeseburgers and coffee and, and whatever else, uh, the, the average person eats and drinks on a daily basis and poured it into a 20,000 gallon swimming pool, not even a 10 or 13 gallon swimming pool that the human body, right? Or I shut the pump off, which, which would be the equivalent of not exercising, or I didn't clean the filter. The pool would turn green in a matter of four days. It's 20,000 gallons turn green, maybe even black. And the owners of that swimming pool would drive me crazy because they want to go swimming in their swimming pool and they want it clean. But yet, but we don't treat our bodies that way. We shut the pumps off. We don't clean the filters out. Um, we put all this garbage in it. We're expecting this tiny little swimming pool. So, so I just have a tough time reconciling and saying like, oh, she got cancer. And so health and wellness um, activities must not work. Like it's a roll of the dice. I just, you know, you might get hit by a car. You might fall out of an airplane. You might get the virus and die. Who knows? But um by the way, forget about all that. I just feel better when I exercise. I'm with you. I just feel better. Yeah, look, I don't, frankly, I don't need the research myself to think it's important to do. I just think it's a really interesting peek behind the curtains of how you think. Because it, it, it's most definitely a level of adversity that you have to take a moment, and even if it's just a fleeting second, to think about are the things that I value actually valuable? Right. Like, cause she did these things and this happened and I did these things. Like, is it going to help me? And even if it's just like a split second, like, yeah, of course it is. It's, it's adversity. And a lot of people face adversity and go the wrong way. You face adversity and go the opposite way, which is the successful way. I mean, we've been going through this thing now for 34 days. Like I can't be in a worse business. If, if you, if you said, hey, I want you to pick a really bad business to be in during a global pandemic, I have to be the top of, of the list of, of worst businesses to be in. Um, and so right before we got on this call, I got bad news. Like I, I, matter of fact, somebody said to me today, there's this, um, there's this great story in the Marines where there's this Marine and him and his unit get completely surrounded. They're surrounded a 29 to one by the enemy, 29 to one. And it looks like they're in front and they just can't fight their way out the Marines. And then it looks like the enemy shows up on the right side. And so now they got them dealing with in the front and on the right. And then, they, and then they flank them. Now they're behind them on the right and in front. And then they come around to the left and, and, and the lead, the lead, right? The leader of, of these Marines turns to his team and says, hey, I got really good news. They've completely surrounded us. We know where they are. They ain't going anywhere now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I say that because like, right before you and I started this podcast, I got more fucking bad news. Like, I am completely surrounded by, it doesn't matter if I turn right, left, backwards, does not matter. It doesn't matter if it's five in the morning, doesn't matter if it's midnight. You know, it is what it is. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but, but, but um, I'm in the worst fucking industry, the worst business um, I could be in right now. Well, you're telling me because I asked you about your adversity. 
and, and your ability to, to deal with it and keep moving forward. And I know, I imagine that most people think of a company like Spartan Race. And they're like, yeah, well, they make millions of dollars a year. Like they can, they can, you know, hang out for a while. They can, they can handle this. You know, in the CrossFit world, I see people making posts about CrossFit, which is not a great business to be in as their gyms are shutting down. And they're like, well, if CrossFit just took the $2 million that they made from last year's open and put it aside, they'd be fine. I'm like, yeah, that's not how a multinational company functions. What people, what people don't realize is, um, and, I, and I really, I try to explain it in the few, in the few, by the way, I'm having so much fun with you right now, even though I've got to like tell these terrible stories. Um, I want to, I want to get a copy of this video because, um, I, I, de we definitely need to document what like we're going through. Right oh now. yeah. Oh yeah. To be documented from like day one. And so I'd love, I'd love a copy of this, but, um, what people don't realize is, so let's say, uh, Spartan, Tough Mudder combined or whatever. Let's say we're doing $500,000 a day in revenue, which is a significant, let's just use that round number. And, um, and so we're killing it. We're a billion dollar company. By the way, it doesn't add up to a billion dollars, but that's what people think. Billion dollar business and they're rolling in money. Uh, the reality is, you know, great, great businesses, great businesses make 20% margins. Great, mm -hmm. right? Uh, average businesses probably make 15% margins. We're can, lucky. Can you, can you just explain to people what a margin is? I know, I know a lot of our listeners work in a business and they're like 15% margins. What, what, what is a margin? And by the way, Shouldn't that, if they do know, they're like, yeah, that's, that would be like $40 million. What's the problem? That sounds good. No, no, no. So, so a 20% margin. So on a $500,000 day, right. Mm -hmm. You drop a hundred thousand dollars to the bottom line. That would be, that's like the software business. That's a business where, you know, when you create software or a record, uh, they used to have actual records for those of you listening. Now that then they had CDs, now everything's digital. But like, once you make it, you don't have to spend money making more of them. Right? That's not the case with, with putting on events or in the restaurant business, et cetera. So, so the margin is what's left over after all the expenses. And then you got to pay taxes. So in the example of, of doing 500000 for the day and having 20% margin, which we don't have, um, then, you're, then you're giving your government a, a bunch of money. Um, so it's not, it's not what you think out there. You always, as human beings, we always think people are making more than they're actually making. That's just, that's just a human flaw. Then, then let's go to our business, which is probably more like six, between six and 8% margins, right? So in that example, um, on $500,000, maybe it's, maybe it's 40 grand for the day. It's like, yes, but then we got to pay taxes, right? And then what happens, check this out. Then what happens is the new year's coming and the customers are like, we want new obstacles. And so then my guys are like, all right, we got to build new obstacles. Hey, just so you know, that's $3 million because when you're in 45 countries, I got to buy a lot of fucking obstacles. I got to buy tractor trailers, <laughs> like, right? So, so your net, it just never catches up. And, and I'm not, you don't have to play a violin for me. Like I'm not complaining. I'm on this wonderful farm with a bunch of people. My kids are healthy, but like, it's not what you think. And, and so CrossFit um, and, and, and Glassman's great and they run a great business and they built this. There's not like, there's not like a bunch of gold. Before I even talk about CrossFit and Glassman and, and, and just, my neighbor growing up was the big boss. Okay. He was, he ran the banana organized crime family at the big house, the columns, cars pulled up all day long. They were bringing out pizza boxes and cannolis and all kinds of things that were probably filled. And I'm not kidding with gold bars. And in your mind, 
you're saying, oh my God, if I had his money, he has no problems. Well, he ended up going to jail. He had to pay like $18 million, which he paid in gold bars and fines. He ended up with nothing, right? And so here's the big boss that you're looking at from next door, looking at, and I said to him once, I said, oh, I got this problem. I was friends with him because I was his neighbor and I was a young kid. And he said, Joe, let me tell you something. If you put your problems on the table and I put my problems on the table, you will take your problems back. And I don't really understand that because I was young, but like if you're in the CrossFit space and you're looking at Glassman and you're saying, oh, he should take that $2 million from, like, first of all, $2 million probably doesn't pay for lunch. Like, do you know what the kind of expenses mm-hmm. associated with running a global company with I don't even know how many gyms he has, 18,000? I don't even know what. What it is now, I know those are franchise gyms or whatever, but there are expenses. I can't even imagine the IP, the monthly IP expense of protecting the name CrossFit. Mm-hmm. It, it, guys, it could be a half a million dollars a month just just paying the legal fees for that. So, so um, we have a flaw as human beings. We look at other people, we look at our neighbors, and we think they're doing better. We think they have less problems and they have more money than it's just it's not reality. One, one more swing at this. My friend was working with Larry Summers. Uh, he was the treasury secretary. So my very close friend literally worked right next to him when we were going through the financial crisis. And people start thinking there's these conspiracies and this and that, but I had a direct line to, to the, the treasury. Like, and, and the feedback I got was, Joe, we're just trying to survive. <laughs> There's no fucking conspiracy. Like, we're just trying to make sure the whole system doesn't fail. So anyway, I don't know if that's helpful or not. No, it is. I mean, I think that, you know, what, what you were describing there is, is what I start to experience as I've expanded my business. And it goes from people, what people think, I believe, is look, if, even if Spartan went down, Joe is going to be fine. And maybe that's true. Maybe if active life went down, Sean is going to be fine. And maybe that's true. But once you get past a certain point of income, it's not about income. It's now about all of the people who you started the business to serve. You know, it'd be much easier for you to make a living doing a million other things. Oh my God. So much and, Right. So, so, so when, when, when you have a job, you go to sleep, and you think about your own income. Can I put food on the table tomorrow for myself, for my family? When you own a business that employs, I don't know how many people you employ, I'm curious. Too many. You, yeah, you go to sleep with the, the thoughts of, are my staff going to be able to put food on their table? And that's what you think about. It's not, it's not you anymore. And it another actually, great, another, that's another great sentence. That is another great sentence that I, I haven't heard verbalized that way. Um, I had a job once and um, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Nine to five. Maybe I got the work done. Maybe I didn't. Um, I got my check every, like, fuck, I want a job. Yeah. <laughs> and that, again, this is, this is not to play the violin for, for Joe. I just want people to understand that no matter how big the company, no matter how much success the company has demonstrated, if the person at the top of the company is in the business for the right reasons, which clearly you are, there is more stress in taking care of their people than there is in taking care of themselves. And right now, during coronavirus, your stress has to be coming from taking care of your people. When I say your people, I mean your staff and those who, frankly, need your races to be their beacon every year 
to keep getting off the couch. No doubt about it. So there's no doubt about it. I mean, um, we're close to 500 people. We were close. I furloughed. We could talk about furloughing. Um, 75% of the staff. And um, it's a lot of families. It's a lot of people to take care of. And then, and then what about the families, the customers? Seven million of these people that um, depend on us to put a date on the calendar to provide a purpose for them to, to, to stick to their fitness um, commitments. And so, like, you know what? But we'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'll be fine. This, this too shall pass. I'm going to, I'll be bloody. I might miss, you know, who knows? I'll be missing a few, you know, appendages. A little couple <laughs> gone, but um, I'll be fine. We're not taking bullets. Right. right? And, and look, it's, you know, one of my, one of my favorite things to think about as it pertains to this is if you're sitting around a campfire talking to friends, Nobody wants to hear the stories about the time you did something really easy and great. They want to hear about that scar you got on your face. How'd you get that? Oh, wow. Really? And you got, like, that's what they want to hear about. And when I look at what we're going through right now, I'm, I imagine you can relate. We always look, at least I always look for like, what am I going to be remembered for? How am I going to be remembered for it? And it's how am I going to describe that time to people? This puts a very, very, very clear we're in a moment that the world is going to talk about forever. What did you do in it? What did you get done? Yeah, what did you get done? What did you get done for yourself, for other people? I'm documenting it all because, um, and this interview is going to be great with you because um, you're definitely seeing me in a weak moment today. Today is definitely, day, day 34 is a tougher day. Um, for Can me. You go in, do, do you mind telling me what, what, what makes it a tougher day? Yeah, today's tough, like, like, so let's go way back. Um, because of my financial industry connections, um, well, even before my finance, even before that, let's go way back. So things are humming. We purchased Tough Mudder and our teams in China say, hey, this virus outbreak, they're shutting down some races in China. And I'm like, you know what? We're in 45 countries. China, China's another world anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, like if something was to happen in China and we, we didn't perform perfectly, it's not really going to bleed out to the rest of the world because it's such a closed system. We're fine there. It doesn't even have Instagram or Facebook or anything, right? We're, we're fine. Our team there is much, is so strong. They'll figure it out. Then it gets over to Japan. Japan's pretty close. That's fine. They'll figure it out. Still in 43 countries at that point. It gets to Italy. And I'm like, that's weird. On the news, they're saying in Italy, literally this was the news. You're going to love this. Cause you might not even know this. Um, the breaking news when it hit Italy was they found, they found patient zero in Italy. Didn't travel, didn't connect with anybody in a small little town. They can't figure it out. And so whether you like Trump or not and this whole fake news thing, like I'm, I'm not picking any sides, but like the news is a little crazy. Like the news sells news. <laughs> yes. It sells news. And I, I like, anyway, that was not true. Okay. So I'm optimistic. I'm not like, all right, Italy, Japan, China. It's no big deal. That's like missing a finger. I could do it without a finger, right? Because I still got 42 other countries at that point. Everything's humming. U.S. is humming. U.S. is very optimistic. Race tickets are selling like crazy. I get a call to go to Greece. We're going, I'm going to see the mayor of Sparta. He's going to give me, uh, make me an official citizen. I'm meeting with Gerard Butler, Billy Zane, another actor. And we're uh, and, and the producer of 300 and we're going to carry the torch for the Olympics. 
and it's like March 11th. Hmm, it's close to Italy. I say to my daughter, my daughter is awesome, right? 11 years old, 10 years old. I say, Catherine, come on, come to Greece. You've been bugging me to go to Greece. We bought some land in Greece. I got to tell you about the Spartan tea and how that ties in. But you know what she says to me? My, my, I don't know if she's 10 or 11. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even keep track anymore. I don't know. He goes, "Um, I'm not going. Why aren't you going? It's too close to Italy. Too close to Italy, coronavirus. I don't want to get coronavirus. And I'm like, it really hasn't even hit home yet. It's not that big a deal. It's still, you know, early March or whatever. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going. And, um, and so I go. And as each day passes by, it's, it's, it's becoming a little more top of mind in the news or whatever. And so now it's, it's weird that my young daughter doesn't want to go. And I land in Athens and my buddy picks me up from Sparta. And there's two extra people I don't know there. And I'm like, George, who are these guys? George, right? It's got to be George because everybody from Greece is named George. And, I, and he goes, um, these are my buddies from Italy. I go, oh, <laughs> two guys from Italy with you? Sit in the car with me for three hours? And so we start having this conversation and they speak good English. And I, how'd you, he goes, we just escaped Italy because they locked the whole country down because coronavirus is everywhere. And I'm like, great. And you're in the car with me. Yeah. <laughs> I way back. And I'm like, so, so how did it get to Italy? What's this? You know, I heard Painted Zero. He goes, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, about eight years ago in Italy, China basically bought Italy. What do you mean? Pirelli tires, half the fashion industry, the whole thing. There are 500,000 Chinese, mostly illegal, in Italy, in factories, sweatshops, you name it, very closely tied to the fashion business. And I'm like, oh, it makes perfect sense. Italy's got the brand names. China's got the manufacturing. Um, I didn't know that. You probably didn't know that. No, and he no, goes, no. Chinese New Year comes out. You know, they got the problem in China. Chinese New Year, there's hundreds of thousands of Chinese coming in and out of Florence. And, and they're mostly in the north is where the, all the, all the uh, factories are. So, and right. So I was like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that. We didn't hear that on the news. I don't know why we didn't hear that on the news. Um, it, in one way it made me feel better because it was like, Oh, it just didn't pop up out of nowhere. Like, right. Like you could make some sense of it in your brain. Mm-hmm. Still not happy that I'm in the car with two Italians <laughs> telling me this, but, but you can make sense of how this all happened. Anyway, drive all the way to Sparta, wait for Gerard, um, to show he doesn't get there till to, to Sparta till late. I go to sleep. No, we go to a big dinner. Gerard and the mayor, they want to do a big dinner. We go to a big dinner and um, I'm like, should I really go to a big dinner? It's going to be like 200 people at this dinner. And things haven't really been shut down yet outside of Japan, Italy, and, and China. I'm going to the dinner. I'll go to the dinner. Go to the dinner, hanging out with a bunch of folks and um, clearly irresponsible. And we leave the dinner and I go, to, um, I go to bed and my phone is nonstop pinging me. I should have hit, I didn't hit airplane mode. And I wake up and, and Trump had shut the borders down. That was right when the border got shut down. And so I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving because my wife's going to kill me if I don't get back. Right. I'm and the, literally the window, the doors are closing. Race. I do 300 burpees. I get my exercise in. I have, I filmed it by the way, that moment. Cause that was, that was the moment where it became real. Like, those three countries shutting down, being in the van, doing the debt. None of it met anything. Trump, who's so pro-business and would do anything to keep 
business alive is shutting the borders down, fuck, there's a problem, right? I got to get out of here. And, um, and it became very real. And I had a lot of time. I did my burpees because I needed to clear my head. I um, got in a, a taxi, drove three and a half hours to Athens, jumped on a plane to Heathrow, got stuck in Heathrow. And I'm in Heathrow and I'm looking around. There's 20,000 people in the airport. None of the TSA have gloves or masks or anything. And so now I can't reconcile like, all right, why are there like airports packed? People in restaurants, I'm sitting next to people. Like, I don't understand. It can't be that bad. Right. And, um, and a bunch of fitness folks in the fitness industry start calling me because we're connected to a lot of small businesses that we help or, or that come and present at our events or et cetera. And they are, um, they are beside themselves. And so I'm getting these calls in Heathrow airport as I'm waiting seven hours to hopefully catch my flight and make the doors are closing. You don't make it out of Europe. I'm, I might be stuck in Greece, right? <laughs> but George, how do I explain that? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? hundred day plan, hundred day plan. World's not going to open up till July 1st. I, no rhyme or reason. It just made sense to me that we probably got to do situational awareness as a, as a, as a government and as a world, that's going to take, um, take us to, through March, close down April, May, June. July 1st seems like the right date. It, it's conservative. There's no way we're going to go beyond July 1st. And um, got to furlough 75% of the staff, cut all expenses, <clears throat> move some races, ramp up merchandise sales online. And, and I have a lot of time to think I'm stuck in Heathrow and I'm thinking, I'm thinking this whole thing through. I get in touch with my team. My team is awesome. They execute probably by the time I land, I finally get through, by the way, when I landed with like four minutes to spare before the midnight cutoff, I thought for sure customs was going to stop me and say, where were you? Who were you with? I was with these Italians and they would have just you know, locked me up somewhere on a quarantine Nobody had gloves on, no mask. No, no problem. Come on in. There was nothing, right? So it was making me even feel more like, I don't, this whole thing, I'm not buying it yet. But we, we, the team executed the plan perfectly. So day one, and then I said, here's what I said. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crowdsource my news. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a 5.30 a.m. call tomorrow once I landed in Boston. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get scientists, because we know a lot of people at Spartan, people like you, smart people all over the world. I'm going to crowdsource my news. I'm going to have 100 people on the phone call every morning, 5.30 a.m., since everybody's now locked in their homes. And um, I'm going to get information from all over the world. Is Japan coming back on? Is China coming back on? What's going on in Italy? Tell me, doctors, what are you hearing on, on um, vaccines? And, then, and I've been doing it. This, this, today was day 34 of that call. So I'll have some structure to my life. It'll force me not only to wake up early and do my workout, but here I am. I'm going to connect with the whole world selfishly really for me, but it turns out it's great for everybody. And, um, and day one wasn't so bad. I did some burpees. I did a live workout. I did the call. I'm feeling great. Our team is executing. It sucks. We had to furlough some people. Day two is okay. Day three is okay. Fuck day 34, man. Day 34. Um, LA mayor yesterday says maybe there's no live events for, um, 2020, right? Um, it just, it's becoming every day, it's just becoming more and more real. And it's not, again, it's not that we're getting shot at. We're not getting shot at. It's just, um, tough spot. But it, well, what, what, so first of all, 
thank you for sharing the whole story. I think it's very interesting to hear what your experience with it was like. Um, I was on one of your 530 calls. I found it to be really valuable. The dilemma I find myself in is my creative time to get things done when nobody else can bother me is right during that time slot. But so, um, you know, what I think, what what it sounds like to me is the hardest part of this for a company like yours, especially is just the total uncertainty of when is it going to end? Like if somebody would say to you, Hey, events are closed for 2020, 2021, you can start again, January 1st. You could then build a plan for from now until December 31st. And then the new plan for January 1st. I mean, you guys, you had DecaFit ready to roll on March 21st in Denver. And it was like um, four I, days before that. You, you nailed it because, because my whole plan from that, from that moment in Heathrow, from being stuck in Heathrow, was all based on July 1st. And that was a really conservative estimate. Like my team was shooting on May, July, June. And I was like, no, July is when it's a bonus if June is okay. It's a bonus if May is okay, but I'm extremely conservative. July one, lights are back on. There's no friggin' way the government's going to spend a trillion dollars a month, which is what they would need to keep like, there's no way. So July one and, um, fuck, it feels like July one slipping. It does, and, doesn't it? And if July one is slipping, um, sponsors and people are losing their, like, now, yeah, it gets, it gets tough. It gets tough. Ultimately, ultimately, we'll be fine. It would, it would actually be easier for me to just say, we lost 2020. We're mm-hmm. going to 2021. It would be easier, right? Like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but you, you know, it's, it's, it feels so early to do something like that. And I'm not, certainly it's not pushing early, you to it do it. It's too early to do something like that. And, and what I was thinking today was, you're not, if you're LA, if you're the LA mayor and you're saying no live events for 2020, okay, does that mean no school? Right. You can't put 2,000 kids in a school and not let them, like, I don't understand. But yeah, it's, it's, a, right? it's a legitimate question, yeah. So, no, no restaurants? I don't know. I, I, mean, I don't know. Well, so I, I have a question for you about how, who you are allows you to function during this, right? Because I know, if, if I'm not mistaken, you did four ultras in a month. Probably did more. Well, probably did more than that. I did the one you might be thinking of is I did. People all want to torture me, right? Like people, if, if somebody's in my neighborhood or whatever comes to the farm, I'm gonna work out with Joe. You know, I CrossFitters. Like I'm not a CrossFitter, so of course you're gonna kill me. You kill me and anything. I'm not even that good of an athlete, right? But but I put my head down and I grind through it. And somebody called and said, "Hey, we got to do this race called the Vermont 100." And I said, "Okay, do the Vermont 100." Like I'm. I'm not going to back down, right? And then somebody else hit me up and said, oh, we got to do this place called Bad Water. All right, we'll do Bad Water. And somebody else hit me up and said, hey, I heard this Ironman in uh, Lake Placid, New York. It's fantastic. We got, all right, great. And so it was three different people, three different events. And I'm not paying attention. I was running my business at the time. I got a lot of things going on. And literally like, I don't know, six weeks before, my assistant comes over and she goes, you know, hey, these three events, because she doesn't know what these things are. They're all in the same week. <laughs> <laughs> and I was silent for a minute, right? Because it's not possible. Like, I'm not, I can't run 100 miles in Vermont and then go knock out 135 miles across Death Valley in, in, in Nevada 
uh, and then come back to Lake Placid, New York and do an Ironman. Like, I, I don't even know logistically, how would I possibly do that? And I'm sitting there in silence and I go, you know what? I can do it. It'd be pretty amazing. Can we try to figure this out? And then, <laughs> and then my wife, my wife, who was, who was my new wife at the time, she's like, we got to go to my friend so-and-so's wedding. It was the same week. So, um, so anyway, that was, that was, uh, yeah, that, the wedding was the hardest part of the whole week. Well, and you got all four done. Yeah. The three races in the wedding. Yeah. I got it all done. Yeah. So, so my question to you is, you know, so many people who probably follow you, who follow me, who listen to this show, they're used to suffering during workouts and they call it suffering, right? I, I throw quotes up because it's like, you're, 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 you're not suffering like a real human suffers in, in suffrage. But how did you, how were you able to take an experience like going through those races, getting to that wedding and use that experience now so that it's actually valuable instead of just something hard you did once? You know, when I was a kid and I was in that swimming pool business and I got to jump off and we got time. I got like six minutes and I'm going to show you something before we get off anyway. But when I was a kid and I was in that swimming pool business, I, um, I would hire neighborhood kids and the neighborhood kids would all quit because I was a maniac. I would work, you know, I just work seven days a week. There's no vacations. Like, you know, grant, you hear those grandfather stories. I walk barefoot both, uphill both ways to school. Like I'm telling you, we worked so hard in that business. I, I never, there was no day. Off. Like I never even remember wanting to take a day off. Who, my wife's going to kill me for this, but I got a text today from my old girlfriend from those, from those years. <laughs> That's um, th- uh, 35 years ago. And uh, she must see me on Facebook Live or something, right? And she's like, she sent me a picture of Jack Nicholson. And she's like, all work and no play, make because I'm just working nonstop. I'm up, right? And, but that's what I always have been. And uh, all these kids would quit. And then I met these two Polish kids. They were teenagers. They were, they were older than me. And they had just come, in, come over from Poland, communist Poland. The wall wasn't down yet. Couldn't break these guys. These guys outworked me. All they wanted was more hours. Didn't matter. More hours, more hours, more hours. They, know, they own the business now. They bought the business from me when I left and I went to Wall Street. And so when you ask, what does doing that hard stuff do for you when times get tough? What those Polish were able to do when we stayed up late and were working and had to clean the truck at 11 o'clock at night and then start again at five in the morning, they were like, this is fucking great. He feeds us. <laughs> you actually have a truck to sit in while it's raining. <laughs> like they had a place to go to in their brain where it was, it used to be worse than where they are today. And so if you grew up on Park Avenue and you were bubble wrapped and you were fed on demand and the, and the, and, and the temperature and the, like everything was perfect. Well then when things aren't perfect, you lose your cool, right? Wi-Fi doesn't work on the airplane. You're going nuts. Um, Spartan doesn't provide a refund. You want to kill me with a spear, um, right? Like, mm-hmm. but these are not big deals. If you have a place to go to in your brain, an experience that you had that was so miserable and so tough that you're like, this is no big deal. We're surrounded. We're surrounded by the enemies. At least we know where they are. Right. No, it, it, it's true. And is that, is that part of the reason why I know your kids get up with you at 5 a.m. and go hiking, do burpees and stuff like that? Is, is that part of the reason why you want them to do that? Because 
the alternative is growing up kind of insulated. I was just looking over to see the kids were here. They're, they're getting ready for their workout now. Um, a couple of reasons why I wake them up early. I, um, I can't, we can't guarantee the kids are going to be very smart. Can't guarantee they're going to be able to build business. I, I can't guarantee any of that. But there's a few things I potentially can guarantee. I could potentially guarantee that they wake up early and they work hard. That's all I could, like, if I get that, if we had a family crest from like 500 years ago, which we don't have, but if we did, if I grew up in some aristocratic, like the crest, if, if I had my choice, would just say like, we work hard. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> um, we might not be the smartest, right? We, like, we just work hard. And, and, you know, my wife would probably want a different sentence on the crest. It would say something like, we're really nice people. But right. I don't really care about that part. <laughs> <laughs> we wake up early and we work hard. Yeah. Hard working people are generally nice anyway. So. Yeah, as long, as long as you don't get in their way. Yeah, as long as you don't get in their way. Well, so, so Joe, I mean, you guys obviously, you're dealing with your cash spigot is off, right? No one's signing up for Spartan races right now. You don't know when the next Spartan race is going to be. Your workforce is furloughed. People are, they're all over the world trying to figure out how, how to do something next. And while that happens, you announce that you're going to give away a million spots to a Spartan race when you're allowed to do them to CrossFitters who stay in their gym. How do you guys do that? Not, not the logistics of how do you physically do it, but how do you come to a place where you're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to give. Can I call Jared? Can we, can we, I think it'd be really fun to get somebody on the phone. Cause I want to tell you the story while Jared's on the phone. Is that okay? Yeah. As long as you have time. Well, I think, I think this will just bleed into the kids workout. We'll just have some fun here. Okay. I don't want to go back to reality. I, I like hanging out with you and just keep staying away from the bad news. I understand. I appreciate it. <laughs> There'll be more bad news as soon as I get off the phone with you. So I hang out here for a while. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, the interesting thing about bad news in your situation is that you just bought the other company. Oh, hey, we're, we're, on a, we're on a podcast right now. Dr. Sh- Dr. Sean. Hey, Dr. Sean. What's you, up, Jared? Are you busy? I, I was I was on a, a live with TD, but <laughs> I, I always answer the boss. That's I'm right. sorry. You need to go back on the live, or is that it? No, no, we're good. He was finishing up. Okay, so we're just talking about like with all the problems we're having, all the headaches, with everything being shut down. Why we'd possibly come up with this idea of taking care of the gyms, and so how this happened was. Um, I was basically uh, throwing a pity party for myself with Jared on the phone. And Jared was telling me, Jesus, Joe, if you think we have problems, all these gyms are shut down. Uh, members are canceling memberships. And I was silent for a little bit. And Jared, correct me anywhere I'm wrong, but I thought, you know, if the gyms go away, that's not good for Spartan. Like, like the gyms build teams that sign up for races. Mm-hmm. And so... I was hearing numbers like, gee, 75% of the restaurants might not come back. So I started thinking, gee, if the gyms, if these family gyms can't come back, that is not, first of all, it's not good for the country, not good for us, not good for the gym owner, not good for anybody. So I'm sitting there for that moment and I'm thinking to myself, this is bold. This is crazy. This is going to hurt us financially. But I think you're supposed to do bold things during times like this, right? And take wild swings. And, and so, Jared, what do, you, what do you think? Why don't we just give away like $100 million in entries? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I mean, I still got to run it by the CFO at this point. I got to run it by my COO, the board. And, you know, Jared, of course, you loved it. 
right? No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the other thing is right now, there's no more critical time than to impact lives through fitness. And we talk about impacting 100 million lives, and it doesn't stop just because of this virus. It actually, this is the opportunity for us to, to push it even more. I said, Jared, when would we ever be able to make this kind of impact? And when life was normal and people weren't trapped inside their houses and gyms and Spartan weren't going through this trouble, like we'd never get the attention of everybody. Jared would call the gym. They'd hang up. I'm sorry. I'm busy. I'm in the middle of making a milkshake. Like, no, you know what I mean? Like this would be a moment in time that may never be recreated where we can get in touch with every gym owner, every trainer and actually do some good. I'm a big believer in add value to a relationship, especially a new one. So we here we we could add value, and they'll, they'll they might take our call, and so um, I don't know, you know that, that that was my thinking. Jared, I'm sorry I did that to you. I just wanted to get you on the phone. I'm just trying to buy time. I don't want to go back to reality. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. No, like, I, I think I think it's awesome. I hope that people take you up on it. We'll make sure that the way that they take you up on it is in our show notes, so it's easy. It's just a click away. Hey. I'm going to tell you about this. Can I tell you about this? Yeah. Joe is holding up for those of you guys who are going to be listening to this and not watching it. Spartan tea. Oh, you know, did I tell you about it? Uh, you gave me a brief outline of it. I drank some of it at your world championships. Tell us oh, about yeah. it. Okay, good. And so did, did I give you the pills? Cause now I grind it up and put it in a pill. No, I've been waiting for your pills. Did I not send you any? Nope. I got to get you some. I got to get you some. So, I figured I figured you might you you told me you were going to when we last spoke on the phone, but I figured you might have been a little bit busy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but bug me if you don't get it because um I promise you you'll get addicted to them. I promise you. <laughs> I apologize in advance. Um, no problem. It's unbelievable what they do. All right, so we don't have to get into that. You already know. Let's go see the. Um, well, my audience doesn't know though, so I want them to know. It's they're, they're basically it's the tea leaves that you use. I'm in, Sparta, just, I'm in Sparta, Greece. I'm looking up at the mountain and they're picking leaves. And I'm like, well, what are they doing up there? And he goes, you don't know? That's Spartan tea. I said, no, I don't know. He said, Joe, that was Hippocrates and Socrates tea. The Spartan warriors, they would drink it and then take the leaves and rub it over their cuts and bruises. It translates from ancient Greek to English. It translates to he or she is of iron. I'm like, I want three tons of it. <laughs> three tons. I'm not kidding. So the giant bale show up at the office. The whole office was full of bales of these fucking... And, you know, of course, my team thinks that I bought, like, marijuana or something. They don't even know what it is. Right. We live? Oh, we're live. Hang on. Come here. <laughs> Just go. Just go. Are you a Spartan kid? Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, are you a Spartan kid? What makes you a Spartan kid, Alex? I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Do you work out? Like, do you do tough things? That is a good question. That is a good answer. That's your daughter? That's one of them, yeah. So, they're, uh, apparently, they're live right now. That's funny. Yeah. So, so, so you order three tons of Spartan tea. It shows up at the office. And now you're, and now you're grinding it up. And Well, so the problem, the leap for those, um, you know, the leaves... If you're into loose leaf tea, you got to boil it to really get the nutrients out and get the benefits out. Boil, huh? It doesn't kill it. Doesn't kill it. Um, you got to boil it. You got to, and that's exactly what Hippocrates, as the story goes, Hippocrates and Socrates would do, and the warriors would do. And um, 
And so I met, I randomly meet this guy. It's so funny the way life works who says, Hey, listen, I built this giant plant out in Arizona where I take live plants. This is a guy that's into raw fruits and vegetables and I can take live plants, the stem, the leaves, everything and grind it up into a fine dust. And I make, I can make like pills, like uh, nutrient rich pills because we don't have to kill like a coffee bean. For example, you kill the coffee bean, it's dead. And then you extract just the caffeine out of it. That's not healthy for the body. The body's better off eating the green coffee bean with the, with the fiber and everything attached to it. So I, I happen to have in my backpack a sport and tea because I got three tons of it. It's coming out of my ears. And I hand it to him. I said, could you figure out if your plant could grind this up and turn it into a fine powder and put it in a pill? And so we did it. And I started giving it to people, the pills. And I wouldn't tell them. Like, it, like if, if this was four months ago, I would have, I would have said to you, here, take some of these. Take only one in the morning. I'm not telling you what it does. You tell me what it did. And 99% of the time, a person would come back and say to me, I felt like I had a bunch of energy for like four or five hours. I'm not kidding. And I was really focused. Like, it's unbelievable because normally if you tell somebody, you get the placebo effect, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, I wasn't telling people. And I couldn't even believe they were taking a pill from me. <laughs> take, take this pill with no information. Yeah. But um, I got to get you some. So that's the tea. That's the um, energy things. And I guess I got to go back. I got to go back to the war. Yeah, well, enjoy, enjoy the war. You're built for it. I'm built for it. This is what we that, came for. That's right. That's right. Look, like I said, 20 years we get to look back, and this is one of the scars on our face. We get to tell the story about how we survived it and it. thrived through it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. I'll be in touch. I'll send you my address to send those, uh, those pills, and I'll tell you how it feels. Thank you. See ya. All right, that's going to be a wrap for this episode of the Active Life Podcast. And guys, remember, remember, if you are looking to enhance your fitness business, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I would love to be able to go on vacations. I would love to be able to take two weeks off and not have my business fall apart. And most importantly, most importantly, If you want to be a part of the movement that we are creating, facilitating, and seeing come to life, which is coaches and gyms becoming the healthcare clinic of the future, helping people who've gotten hurt working out, helping people who've been told they have to work out around that, having people be told they're too old to do that, find new hobbies. If hearing things like that for your clients is frustrating for you and you want to learn the skills to solve those problems and also get paid very well to do it, head to activelifeprofessional.com and let's get talking. Till then, turn pro.